We're going to continue this morning talking about some Old Testament heroes of the faith. Uh, as I've been studying this, it's just uh, been something I just can't quite get away from. So we're going to continue that theme. And, and today we're going to talk about everyday strength, how we have um, the strength to do good with our decisions, to live a life of compassion, to be able to minister to our families, to do those things that require strength. But tonight, or this, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a specific individual again. We're going to look at another individual from the book of Judges. A few weeks ago, we looked at Gideon. But today I want to look at another individual uh, from the book of Judges, and uh, he's an interesting individual, a man with tremendous strength, Solomon. You know, if you talk about, we've made reference to uh, Hollywood and their superheroes and so forth, if there's anybody in the Bible that would probably qualify to be a superhero in Hollywood, it would probably be Samson. And uh, because of his strength, because of his... My, did I say Samson earlier? Solomon. I, th I thought I did now that I think back. I'm, we're talking about... Everybody thinking, Book of Judges, Solomon. <laughs> but we're looking at Samson this morning. You know, he was, uh, he was an interesting individual. He had great strength. And, and so we're going to learn some things about his strength. Only we're going to look at it a little differently. And the others that we've looked at up to this point, we looked at their, their qualities from the, negative, from the positive standpoint and how it could have an influence in our lives. This morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at this individual and we're going to look at it and see what Samson did and realize we need to do just the opposite. You know, <clears throat> I don't know about you, you know, when I, was, when I started plumbing back many moons ago, I worked for this plumber in, in, in Minnesota. And, uh, but, but some of the ways that he did things, I learned how if I ever had a business, if I ever had my own shop, I'd never do it that way. And so I learned from him, but I learned how I wouldn't do it, not how I would do it. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at Samson, and, and he, he, was a, he was a mighty man. I mean, when you, when you read through Judges and you see his life, you see some of the, the things that he did. You, you see how he, he killed a lion with his bare hands. We see how he is taken into captivity. And, and what he did was he took the, the gate, these huge doors at the entrance of the city, and he pulled them up um, by the posts and he carried them to the top of the hill and he, he set it up there. He did it all in his own strength. He was, a, he was definitely a very strong individual. We hear how they tied him up with ropes and he just simply broke the ropes and, and uh, they, they couldn't hold him back. We, we see um, he wouldn't have gotten along with PETA very well because at one point he, 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 he took 300 foxes, uh, tied their tails together two by two, tied torches in between them, lit the torches, and ran the foxes through the enemy's wheat and harvest and so forth and destroyed the whole, the whole thing. I don't know, that takes, that takes a pretty strong dude to hold 300 foxes, I think. 
And so he, he did all these things. So he is a man of strength. But the thing I want us to see today is that he did it in his own strength. He didn't rely upon God. And a lot of times what we see is we see somebody that might be strong on the outside, but on the inside, there's weakness. On the inside, there isn't much there. And you know, we, we see people like that all the time. They put on the front. But you know, when it comes down to the truth of the matter, they don't have the strength that they need to make it through. And that's where Samson was. He was a man of great ability, he was a man of great strength. And he didn't trust in God. You know, I think sometimes we in the United States, our biggest problem is we're so capable. We're able to do things in our own strength and our own ability. And so we don't get to the place where we just simply put our trust and our confidence in God. And so we can achieve things. You know, somebody in their own strength, they can achieve wonderful things. But what happens is they ultimately end up burning themselves out. They wear themselves out because they're doing it in their own strength and their own ability. And they're not putting their trust and they're not putting their confidence in God. In Psalms 18, verse 1, in the New Living Bible, it says, or translation, it says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. Now, I don't know about you. When I read a passage like that, I've got to look at it from the standpoint, how do I do that? I love you, Lord. You are my strength. You know, it's easy to say, you know, God, you're my strength, and then we go out and do it our way. We say, God, I trust you. You are my strength. And then we go out and we do whatever it is that we want to do. We're going to look at today how God can and will be our strength. And so as we look at Samson today, I'm going to look at five different things in the life of Samson that we can glean from, that we might walk in strength every day of our lives to be victorious. And so that first thing was strong people develop strong motives. You know, Samson was motivated. He had very strong motives. But you know what? Oftentimes his motives weren't the right thing. They didn't come from the right root. You know, it, it's, you, can, you can be motivated, but you've, your motivation has to come from the right place. You know, Samson went out there and he defeated the Philistines. We see it again and again where he defeated the Philistines because they would come in, they would take their crops. We saw this with Gideon. They would take their crops. They would sometimes take families and all of their possessions. And, and Samuel, or Samson, rose up against that. <clears throat> so if I say Samuel today, Samson, you know, in, in my vocabulary, they're all the same. You know, just, so just know that I'm, I'm preaching out of Judges and not Second Chronicles, okay? And then you'll be able to keep it all, you'll be able to keep it straight. And so we some, see examples with this. We see that he, he destroyed, he defeated 30 of his enemies because they, they made a fool of him. But in Judges 14... And in the ninth verse, I want us to see what his motivation for it was. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. In other words, he went and defeated them, and he defeated them out of anger. He, he just simply wanted to destroy them. That was his motivation. 
It was anger. And then we see that it wasn't love for the people. And this is what we're going to see over and over again in his life. His motivation wasn't a love for God. It wasn't a love for people. It was because he was angry. That's why he destroyed Another one of his motivations was revenge. In Judges 15.3, it's just the next chapter, it says, I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. I have a right. You know what? <clears throat> Your rights aren't a very good motivator. Thank you for that rousing amen. But oftentimes that's where you, what you hear from folk. I have a right. I have a right to feel bad. I have a right. No, that, it's a, it'll motivate you, but it won't sustain you. What I'm talking about here this morning is the motivation that we have in our life ought to be things that, that will sustain us. Because if we're motivated out of the wrong thing, it'll tear us down. If we're motivated out of anger, out of revenge, yeah, it's a, it's a great motivator, but it won't last. What'll happen is it'll tear us up on the inside. It'll tear up and it'll destroy, it'll affect the people around us. And so anger isn't a very... long-lasting, productive motivator. So that, that was his motivation. It was anchor. You know, when we find truth, truth will sustain us in our strength. And speaking of truth, listen to this. This is true. The why of life is more important than the what of life. Why do you do what you do? If it's just simply to make a living, you'll burn out. If your why in life, what, what's your why in life? Why do you do what you do? It's more important than what you do. Why do you do it? That's what's going to motivate us. That's what's going to sustain us. It's true in our, in, our, in, our, in our families. Why do we do what we do in our families? Why do we do what we do in our business? It's not just simply what. You know, a lot of times we have this idea, if I could just do something else, I would be happy. No, you won't. Because your motivation is wrong. Why are you doing what you do? You know, I remember several years ago, there was a, uh, it was on the Christian Men's Network. There was a video that we watched, and it was this individual, and he's in Australia, and he's talking about his, his father, and he's talking about how his father was his hero. And he said the reason that his father was his hero was because he knows for, for all the years that he worked in this particular foundry or whatever it was, he said he knew that his da dad hated the job. He knew he didn't want to do it, but he, 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 the why to it, the reason he did it, was because he was going to provide for his family, for his household, no matter what it took. And that's what motivated him. And he says the reason that his father was his hero was because he knew what it cost him to take care of his family. He was motivated to do it. It was the why, it wasn't the what. And that's how it's going to be in our lives. It's going to be the why, not the what. It, it, it's true in the church. 
Why do we do what we do in the church? Why do we, what do we, why do, we do what we do for God? There's a lot of people, they focus on the what, not the why. There's a lot of people that are active in church because they want attention. They want to have people see them. They, they want to show that they can do better than somebody else. They can, I can do it better than that person, so they, they want to show it. That's the, what, what, what kind of motive is that? Why do we serve God? There's a lot of people that serve God because of their past, because they, they messed up, they screwed up, and as a result of that, they feel like, I've got to serve God if it kills me. Let me tell you something. If you're serving God, even if it kills you, you don't have very good motivation in serving God. Why do we serve God? We serve God because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why do we serve God? We serve God because he loves us, because he gave his life for us. And so that's the truth. If we want to live our life and sustain a life of victory, we've got to begin to look at some other things, and especially concerning our motive. You see, the issue is, it isn't really about good and bad motives. Because you know what? Every one of us have bad motives. Not a single one of us that has pure motives. If you think your motives are pure, then just talk to the person next to you, they'll fill you in. None of us have perfect motives. You know what? Even in life, we don't, we don't, we aren't born or we don't grow up with perfect motives. It's something that has to be developed in our life. And so that's why we develop, our motives have to be developed. We have to get the why right. And we do that, it's, it, it's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. So how do we get pure motives? Well, look at 1 John 4.19. It tells us how to build strong motives. It says, we love because he first loved us. Why do we love? We love because he first loved us. You know what? If we try to love just simply in our own strength and ability, we're not going to achieve it. We love because Jesus first loved us. He's our prime example. He's the one that we look to. And so when we begin to look to him, we begin to understand how to love. And so our motivation then needs to be a motivation of love. And of course, all of us know our, our love is imperfect. We love imperfect. We're, we're imperfectly. We're, we're able to receive love imperfectly. And our example is always Jesus. And so we begin to look to him and we begin to develop the right motives. We begin to serve people because of the right motives. You know, I can remember, you know, we took up the offering a while back and, you know, I can remember when I, uh, I gave out of obligation. That was a wrong motive. But when I began to get the revelation that there was a world out there going to hell in a handbasket, and the only hope for them was Jesus Christ, and it tells us in Romans, how shall they hear unless they be a preacher, and how shall they preach unless they be sent? And if I'm not willing to send, how are they going to preach, and how are they going to hear? 
so that their lives can be changed. And so my motivation then began to be changed. The why was different. It wasn't because I wanted to please God. It was because there was a world out there that needed to be saved. And God had set a, 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 a principle in motion that was known as sowing and reaping. And the principle of sowing and reaping was there so that I would have the opportunity to give so that others may be able to hear, so that I might increase, so that I might have more to give so that others can have the opportunity to hear. You see, the heart of God is for a lost and dying world. And if our motivation in serving him strays from that, we're losing sight of our real purpose in being. We love because he first loved us. And so when we begin to realize how much God loves us, you know, when we realize how much because of his love he forgave us, it becomes easy to forgive somebody else. When we realize the sacrifice that he made for us, all at once it changes things and we're able to make sacrifice for one another. So the first point was his motivation. The second point is strong, pe strong people, strong people. You know, he looked strong, but he wasn't strong. Strong people depend on others. Well, you know what, if I'm really strong, I don't need anybody else in my life. That's the biggest deception that you'll ever encounter in your entire life. We need people in our lives. And strong people depend on others. Samson's got this great purpose. He had a purpose. And his purpose was for the for, to defeat the Philistines so that his, his people would live victoriously. But if you read through Judges and you look at his life, you find something very interesting out about Samson. Everything that he did, he did by himself. He didn't, he didn't develop an army. Everything that he did, he did by himself. He would go to battle and, you know, he'd whip thousands. And it makes a great story. But you know what? He always, he always did it by himself. There were never others with him. You know, when you read through Judges, you see other individuals. You see Gideon. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. What did Gideon do? He developed an army. He is able to develop such a big army, God said it's too big. <laughs> Made him cut it back. We see, we see Deborah in the, in the book of Judges. And she had a following. She had an army that followed after her and they had great victories. But see, Samuel, oh boy, those names are just too close. He had, he had, he had issues. And because he fought alone, he didn't have anybody that was going with him. If you read through there in the 15th chapter, what you'll find out is finally the Philistines came to the people of Israel and said, you know, the reason that we keep attacking you is because of Samuel, Samson. 
that dude. And so he says, if, you, if you'd get rid of that guy, we wouldn't attack you anymore. You know what the children of Israel said about their leader? You can have him. We'll bring him to you. All you have to do is stop attacking us. That's, that's all that we want. And so they turned him over. He didn't have anybody on his side. Here, here's the principle. If you always fight alone, you'll find that those that are supposed to be following you will eventually begin to fight against you. You see it all the time. We're, we're in leadership. People want to do it all by themselves. They want to be in control of everything. You know, I, I can identify with it. You know, sometimes it's just easier to do it yourself and try to tell somebody what you, what you want to do. You have to forgive me, Bill. I fixed the door the other day. He was going to come in and help me. It was hot. I did it myself. And, and so now Bill's going to be against me. He's probably going to throw a rock through the door. Don't throw a rock through the door. You know, we, 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 don't, we, we never had a proper exit on the bottom because it was, it was locked with a key. If there would have ever been an emergency for 35 years, we would have been in trouble. And so uh, we, we checked on the door being repaired and taken care of, and it was going to cost $4,000. I don't know about you, I'm too stinking cheap to put $4,000 in a couple of doors that hardly ever get used. So I got on Amazon, and for $180, I was able to get this opener that I put on myself. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Pastor Dave, you're so wonderful. Yes, I know I am. <laughs> and if you notice, we, we also have a, a exit out here. You're not supposed to use it unless it's an emergency. You know, we used to always have tuck and roll. <laughs> that if there's an emergency and you needed to go out that door, you took a leap, you tucked, and you rolled down the hill. Now we have a platform. You can actually go out there and walk down steps. So, uh, you know, after 35 years, we have steps. Praise the Lord. You know, you hate to rush into things. <laughs> Amen. But see, Samson, did I get it right? Yeah. Samson, <clears throat> glory to God, hallelujah, miracles still happen. <laughs> Samson did it all by himself. He didn't depend on others. And as a result of that, what eventually happened was they began to turn on him. We're not created to function alone. We're to be a part of something. It's, it's interesting how we can accomplish so much more as a group than we ever would as an individual. And that's why the church is so important. It gives us something to be a part of. We're better together. We're stronger together. And the truth of the matter is, like I said, we weren't made to do things alone. We were made to do them together. There are two simple questions. Who needs to strengthen you today? Who, need to, who do you need to look to today for strength? And who do you need to give strength to? Or who can you give strength to? We're stronger as we do things together, as we work together. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, you're all familiar with it. It says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And so there's battles. We will never win them alone. But we can win them together. We can fight together. We can overcome. We can be, we can be strengthened. In 1 
Thessalonians 5.21 in the New Jerusalem Bible, it says, So give encouragement to each other and keep strengthening one another as you do already. And so how, how, do we, how do we strengthen others? Well, one of the number one ways that we can strengthen others is with encouraging words. By, by saying things to them, by words. And so the thing that I want us to say is sometimes we look at it and we think, how, how can I be a help to somebody else? Well, you know, one of the ways is just to be positive, to say something good. You know, it's interesting about Samson. You know, because he didn't rely on anybody else, he didn't get any encouraging words. He did it himself. And what happened, it eventually led to destruction. And so the first one is our motives. We need to have right motives. The second one is, is uh, we, we need others in our lives. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't do it alone. And the third point is strong people discipline their desires. Samson struggled with this. His entire life. And again, we can look at him and we can learn from a negative example. He never disciplined himself. Especially, we see it in relationships. And we see it especially in his relationship with women. He never disciplined his life. He just had a life that was filled with terrible relationships. And then he finally meets the woman Delilah. Been songs written about Delilah. <laughs> Amen. It was those relationships in his life. But I want you to notice something about this. In, in Judges, the 16th chapter, the fourth verse. And it says, Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman, speaking of um, Samson, fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sork, whose name was Delilah. So he meets Delilah. And uh, it's interesting that that relationship just about destroyed him. Well, it, it did. But, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing about him. He just, uh, he was weakened. You know, oftentimes our strength the things that ought to be a strength in our life leads to weakness. It leads to destruction. And again, that's what we see in his life. And, and so in, in, the, in the sixth verse of Judges 16, it says, So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Now, it seems to me there ought to be a clue in what was just said there. You know, it's kind of like, will you give me your bank account number and tell me how to pull the money out of it? Or how about, <clears throat> where do you keep all of your jewelry? And oh, by the way, when are you going to be gone for the weekend? <laughs> now, <clears throat> now, it seems to me there ought to be some clues in all of that. He didn't get a clue. 
He was, he was a dunce to the whole thing. And so she says this to him. What does he do? He begins to play a game with her. He begins to lie to her. He, he, he doesn't take it serious. He looks at it as a, as a game because, well, we, we might as well say he's bewitched. But he, he, doesn't, he doesn't get a clue. And, and so she says, tell me where you get your strength. And he says, well, you know, if you, if you tie me with a bunch of bowstrings, then I'll lose my strength. And so what does she do? She ties him up. She calls for the army. The army comes in. He breaks them. He defeats them. And she says, you didn't tell me the truth. Tell me where you get your strength. Now, now the fact that the army came in mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> should be a hint. But he doesn't get it. And so what does she say? And she says, tie me with uh, a strong rope and I lose my strength. She ties him up. The enemy comes. He defeats the army. He still doesn't. He doesn't get it. You would think she would, he would get it. And then she asks him again. And so what does he do? He says, well, if you braid my hair. Now notice, he's still not telling the truth, but he's getting closer to it. So what does she do? She braids his hair. The army comes in. He defeats him. But then she comes along and she gives the, she asks the question of questions. You might say it's the nuclear question. She bats her eyes. <laughs> and she says, if you really love me, I tell you, there's a clue there too. If you really love me, you'll tell me the truth. And so what does he do? He tells her the truth. And uh, she puts him to sleep. Has somebody come in, they shave his head. And she calls for the army. And they come in. And they defeat him. They take him captive. Again, she, he should have had a clue all the way along, but we do have a clue. It's at the very beginning when I read, and it says concerning Samson that he loved, he fell in love with Delilah. You know what our problem is? Is oftentimes there's things that we love more than, than God. We put those things ahead of God. We have the wrong motives in our love. And as a result of that, it brings destruction. We, we're, we're defeated. I remember hearing a story about this pastor. And he lost his ministry. He got addicted to alcohol. But the thing about it was he was, when he was being talked to about it, he was on enough, honest enough to say that, you know, the problem was that I loved alcohol more than I loved Jesus. And you know, there, there's times where we need to begin to be honest with ourselves about the situations and the conditions that we're encountering in our life and recognize what is it that I truly love the most? Do I love the Lord or do I love these other elements, these other things, more than I love him.
What do we do with our anger, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, our gossip, our overspending, our worry? What do, wh why? Because we love that more than we love Jesus or the circumstances in our life. And you know, the thing about it is there has to come a point where we begin to bring about change in our lives. You know, and oftentimes what we do is, well, I just, I just need to quit it. I just need to stop it. How's that worked for you up to this point in time? Hasn't worked very well, has it? Because, you see, going back to our motives again, none of us have the right motives. There has to be a change in our life. It's something that's developed in our life. As, as all of these things, as we look at, at Samson, where he got in his life didn't happen overnight. It was progressive. But he never brought it to an end. He never dealt with it. And so if we want to have a victorious life, at some point in time, we need to deal with these things in our life. We may put on a great front, but at the same time, we're being tore up on the inside. And we need to bring about the change that's necessary. In 2 Timothy 2.22, it gives us some, some insight into this because those things that we've fallen in love with, those things that seem to control and dominate our life, every time we try to get away from it, it's like it's a magnet and we're drawn right back to it again. So how do we overcome it? Well, we see the answer to it in 2 Timothy 2.22. And it says, flee evil desires of youth. And, and oftentimes that's, that's what we, there's where we stop. You need to flee those evil desires of your youth. You need to get away from those things. And like I said before, how's that been working? Not too well. But here it says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You run away, you run towards, and you run with. If we want to have the victory in our life, it requires those three things. It isn't enough to just simply try to run away with, from something. You have to pursue something. What is it that, that, that you want to pursue? You have to put those things in front of you. And here it says... Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Pursue those things. But then it, it doesn't stop there. It says, pursue them with somebody. And once again, that's why the church is so important. Because we're not supposed to be pursuing this victorious, abundant life all by ourselves. We were never created. <clears throat> we have a pack mentality. We function better as a pack. We move better as a pack. We achieve more as a pack. And so we're not to do it alone. We're to do it with somebody. What did Samson do? He pursued, he ran back to Delilah. He ran back to Delilah over and over again. He constantly ran back to Delilah. It looked like destruction was going to come in his life. He defeated the enemy and he ran back to Delilah. It was a constant thing in his life. 
But you know what? He didn't have anybody with him. He didn't pursue righteousness. The thing that he pursued was the desire of his heart. The desire of his heart was Delilah. And so that's what he pursued. The desire of his heart wasn't God. The desire of his heart wasn't the, the children of Israel. He pursued by himself. And so we don't want to pursue alone. We need others in our life. The fourth point is strong people trust God's spirit. You know what's interesting about Samson, and this is why we've got to guard ourselves. He experienced the power of God, but he never depended upon it. He always depended on his own strength. And you know, whether you've just walked with the Lord a short time or maybe you've walked, walked with him a long time, you know, the tendency is always to look back to see what God had done in the past. And there's an element of that is, that is good. But you know what? There's also this element where we need to put our trust, we need to put our, our confidence in him. You know, the, the thing about Samson was when he was defeated, he didn't know that the Spirit of the Lord had lifted off of him. Listen to this. It's in Judges 16, verse 20. And it says, Then she, Delilah, called Samson, The Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before, and I'll shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Let me tell you something. That's one of the saddest verses in the entirety of the scripture. That he did not know that the Lord had left him. Now thank God we have a promise in the new covenant. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. But let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that have the Holy Spirit in their life, but they haven't acknowledged, they haven't recognized him. And they basically ignore him because what they can do, they can do in their own strength. And then when the time of crisis comes, they don't hear. Why don't I hear from God? He's there, but you've not learned to listen to. You've not learned to hear his voice. Samson didn't depend upon the Lord. He did it in his own strength. He didn't look to him. He looked at what he could do. And you know what? When we just simply depend on what we're able to do in and of ourselves, we're limited. But you know what? When we put our trust and we put our confidence in Almighty God, we're limitless. That's why the scripture says we can do all things through him. It's not that we're to do all things, things in and of our own strength and ability. We can do all things through him as we put our trust and as we put our, our confidence in him. And so the question is, how do we do this? How do we rely upon him? You know, as far as I know, we, we don't have another record of Samson praying. How do we put our confidence, how do we put our trust in him? 
Well, Bill Bright, most of you have probably never heard of him, but he founded Team Challenge. He always referred to it as spiritual breathing. And the reason that he referred to it is that he, he says, in the physical, for us to survive, we have to breathe out and we have to breathe in. And you can't just simply do it one time. You do it all day long. You breathe out, you breathe in. You breathe out, you breathe in. And he says that's how it is spiritually. We breathe out and we breathe in. We breathe out and we recognize that I'm forgiven through my Lord Jesus Christ that his blood was shed for the remission of my sins. And I breathe in. I breathe in. I can do all things through Christ as he strengthens me. In Ephesians third chapter, the sixth verse in the New Living Translation, it says it this way. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower me with inner strength through his spirit. We're empowered through inner, inner strength through his spirit. And how do we receive that inner strength? By receiving in what Jesus has done for us. By declaring what his word says about it. And we, us, and we acknowledge it as being truth in our lives. And we walk in the fullness of it. But then I said there were five strong points of uh, a man that's strong. The fifth one with Samson was he never gave up. Now this is the one that's positive. The other four, we looked at Samson and we saw in, from a negative standpoint what he did and how we want to do just the opposite of what he did. We want to have the right motives. We want to have the right discipline. We want to have the right relationships. We want to rely upon the Spirit. But you know, Samson never quit. What it shows us is an example that no matter where we are in life, there's always hope. When we put our trust and our confidence in him and that we, we, don't, we don't ever stray so far away that there isn't still hope in God. In Judges 16, 21, and it says, the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with, brand, with bronze Shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. So here's this former strong man, this victor in battle, and he's blinded. And he's tied to this millstone. It's probably a millstone. And so day after day after day, he's walking in this circle with this millstone grinding grain. You know, emotionally, I think a lot of times we get into that grind. And it feels like we're just going in a circle with a millstone around us, just grinding grain over and over again. And we look at it and sometimes we think there's absolutely no hope. Is this all that there is? Well, as long as you look at the millstone, that's all there is. But you know what? There can be hope. And we see this with Samson. Here he is in this despicable, sad situation. And all of a sudden, there's some hope. It says in verse 22, 
But the hair on Samson's head began to grow again after it had been shaved. So the hair begins to grow. And remember what happened to Samson. He had taken this vow as a Nazarite. And he, he was not to shave his head. That was one of the things. And when he did it, he lost his strength. He lost his power because of his, his disobedience. Because he didn't obey the, the covenant that he had made with God. The promise that he had made with God. And so here he is grinding grain day in and day out, blinded. Not able to, to see. You know, it's interesting. Is here he is physically blind. And finally, for the first time in his life, he sees. His spiritual eyes are open. And it says in verse 25. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. In that temple. Sovereign Lord. Remember me. And like I said before, as far as. I could find in our readings doesn't ever say that he ever prayed. Why didn't he pray? Because he depended upon his own strength. And so it said, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. Then Samson reached forward to the two central pillars on which the temple stood, braced himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might and down came the temple on the rulers and on all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. And so here we have Samson gets a second chance. His greatest victory as a, as a soldier was at the end of his life when he finally put his trust in God. Now he saved some of the, his people and he destroyed many of the enemy. But you know what? He was able to have that victory because finally at the end of his life, he put his trust, he put his confidence in the Lord. He did two things. The first I've already mentioned, he prayed. The second thing that he did was he gave himself as a sacrifice. You know, the thing about Samson was he, he was never willing to sacrifice anything. It was all about him. And you know, we don't often like to talk about this element of it, but you know what? To serve God effectively, it requires a sacrifice. You know, most of us aren't going to have to go to battle this afternoon. We're not going to go to war. We're not going to have to sacrifice our life in that way. But you know what? There are sacrifices that we do have to make. It's sacrifices that we make for others. If we're going to truly be a friend there's going to be some sacrifices that are involved. But again, oftentimes what we are is we're afraid to make those sacrifices. In Romans, the 12th chapter, in the first verse, it says, this kind of sacrifice, well, it's talking about Samson, or it's Paul's making reference to, he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, so it's talking to you and me. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, the sacrifice. You know, when we have to give up something we want to do, it's a sacrifice. But why do we give it up? Do we, we, do we give it up for others? See, that's where our, our motivations come in once again. Because you know what? If I'm just simply looking out for self, I'm never going to be able to give it up. I'm going to continue to cling to it. I'm going to hold on to it. In Galatians, the first chapter, the fourth verse in the Message Bible, it says, Jesus Christ redeemed us from this evil world. We're in... <clears throat> Wherein, by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Let me read it again. Jesus Christ rescued us from this evil world. Wherein, by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. You know, Solomon, or Samson, a flawed man, made a sacrifice at the end of his life. Like I said, he saved some of his countrymen. He destroyed his enemy. Christ's sacrifice was much different. Jesus sacrificed as an act of the only perfect one who ever walked on the earth. In his sacrifice, he offered to save every one of us, to rescue us from this world, to rescue us from those things around us. Now we can learn from Samson, but Samson isn't our example. Jesus is our example. And I don't know about you, I don't want to wait till the end of my life and have one last hurrah. I'd rather live my life in service to the Lord Jesus Christ, being willing to make the sacrifice, be willing to give up that thing that is hindering me from truly serving others, and, fulfill, and fulfilling the plan and the purpose that God has for me. Now you may be successful doing things all by yourself. But in doing so, you're not fulfilling the plan that God has for you. Because God has something for each and every one of us that is bigger than ourselves. And in order for us to fulfill that... We're not going to do that alone. We're going to need those motives and desires and so forth to be lined up with his. And the way that we line it up with his is by taking his word and putting it in the proper place that it ought to have in each and every one of our lives. And the thing about it is, it isn't easy. It isn't easy to forsake those things that have had a hold on our life. But you know what? We can, we can overcome it. But it's not going to be by just simply resisting it. It's going to be by pursuing. By pursuing what God has made available to each and every one of us. And as we pursue it, we don't pursue it alone. We pursue it with others. Recognizing the victory is there and the victory belongs to us in and through Christ Jesus. He's the one it gives us the victory. How do we be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? I gave you five things today that you can look to, that you can glean from, that you can use to grow. Don't take Samson's example. Look at what he did and 
do the opposite and don't, don't, don't hit the barriers that he ran into because he is so self-dependent rather than looking to and trusting in others. We put our trust, we put our confidence in him. And so, Father, this morning I seal that word by your precious Holy Spirit. That you, by your Holy Spirit, would reveal to us those areas where we've basically been on our own and dependent upon self. But, Father, that we would look to you, put our trust, our confidence in you, develop proper motives, desires, and that, Father, we would fulfill the plan that you have for each and every one of us. And in doing so, Father, rather than we ourselves, you're the one that will receive all the glory because you're worthy of it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, before we close here this morning, we've got a couple of individuals we want to pray for. First is Mr. Miller there. Um, I want to pray for him. He broke his hip. Or I, I don't understand it. Becky looked it up, so come up here, Becky. And uh, we're going to pray for you. So if you can hop on your crutches and come on up here. Explain what it is. Let's extend our faith this way. <clears throat> He's the redeemed of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Touch these hips. Hallelujah. Glory. You go ahead and pray. Father, we are so grateful for the fact that you sent Jesus to bear every evil thing that tries to come against us. We know that by the stripes of Jesus, this young man has been healed. Mm -hmm. We speak to this bone in the mighty name of Jesus, and we command you to come in line with the word of God. We believe that your word is manifesting in his body yes. and as we speak, one cell at a time, one day at a time if need be, or all at once. We know that your anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. Mm -hmm. We know that no weapon formed against him can prosper. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what facts are. We know the truth. Holy Spirit, you are the truth. You are the truth of the living God. And your word, Father, was sent to heal Cam. Jesus Christ, the word, the living word from the beginning. Amen. We thank you that he is receiving his healing right now. Yes. We thank you, Jesus, that you bore his sicknesses and carried his diseases when you died on the cross. And by the stripes of Jesus, he has been healed. Amen. We believe. We believe and we declare it to be so. Who believes, and this young man is a believer. Amen. Wholeness to every part of his being in Jesus' name. This Amen. Is the confidence that we have that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the yes. petitions that we ask of him. So we rejoice yes. in the victory. Yes. In Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. And just stay here. And then 
Claudia and Allison, come on up here. We just want to speak a blessing. Yes. We're going to be down in Urbandale. And uh, just feel like we just started to get to know you guys. <laughs> but we just want to release you and speak a blessing over you in the name of the Father. Amen. Yeah. So join us. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this family. We thank you, Father, that they're blessed. We thank you for this opportunity that's been presented to them in Urbandale. And Father, we just speak a blessing over them as they, they move to that city, as they um, go to a, and find a church there. We speak a blessing over them. Father, we declare that their every need is met according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Every need, physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way, their needs are met. And so, Father, we thank you for this couple. We release them, and we speak a blessing over them. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Yes, you all with joy and be led forth in peace. Amen. Amen. May I be excused now? You may, you may go. <laughs> it's the first time she's ever asked me that. <laughs> you were supposed to turn me down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.